Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Over the next 20 minutes, our goal is to dig deeper into the themes and topics of the most recent Sunday teaching. We'll look to tackle some of the challenging kinds of questions that you may be thinking as you heard the message but didn't get the opportunity to ask the teacher at the time. This podcast works in conjunction with our weekly Beyond the Sermon devotional. If you don't receive those already, you can sign up using the link in our podcast show notes. So whatever you're doing right now, at the gym, driving, folding laundry, whatever it might be, we invite you to listen in as together we go Beyond the Sermon. Well, hey, everyone. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship at the Ridge, and I'm also your host for Beyond the Sermon. And with me today, I have Ridge Lead Pastor Mike Van Rees. Mike, welcome. Thanks, Will. Yes, we're in the the basement, as usual, uh, doing the podcast. And the basement's been getting a bit of a renovation of yeah, late. Is that right? Different. Looks different. Yes. I'm not sure how many people have actually been down here in the church. Maybe they've done a class or a group down here. But uh, yeah, we're going to be starting up some new things down here. So it's got a lick of paint and yeah. it's looking good. Check it out sometime when you're on site. <laughs> yes, it's going to be good. Um, Mike, this past Sunday, uh, you finished up what has been uh, a really epic series on the life of Joseph. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. Um, chapter 50, which over the course of like 26 verses covers Jacob's death and also Joseph's death. But uh, before we jump into that, I, I, I just interested as you look back on this series, are there any things that have surprised you, uh, really stood out for you, challenged you yeah, as you look back on this series? I'm glad you asked the question, Will. And we didn't talk about that, but I'm glad that you brought this one up because there really is something that has surprised me. Um, Looking at maybe the big picture Mm -hmm. as we're at the back end of this series, and I feel a little bit bad saying it, but I'm going to go there anyway. One of the things that I'm realizing, the more that I'm studying and digging into Joseph, the more I'm not so sure this part of the Bible is even about Joseph. Okay. Um, so we needed a new title. So yeah, yeah, you know, like, yeah, you know, if I could do it again, <laughs> if I was back when we started this series, I think it would have, it has a lot more to do with Jacob. Mm. Not to say Joseph's not involved in it, but it's continually pointing us back to his dad. Mm. And, and he's woven throughout most all of these chapters and throughout the story of Joseph. And you, you think about it biblically, well, it's God. So he's often called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Joseph. No, we leave Joseph off. It ends at Jacob, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a huge character in in the Bible. And we see, you know, his early stories, and it's like, well, he was pretty deceptive, tricked his dad, tricked his brother, left his mom. Life was really hard, and we see that in a good chunk of Genesis for him. He labored for late for for Laban uh, years as a shepherd and then we see his sons end up doing a lot of the same things that he did mm. you know the, the deception and those kind of things trickled down to his kids and the story of jo- of Jacob is really a guy who through most of his life he's just wrestling with God and, and when it comes to faith it seems like a lot of times he's just fighting um, the faith and he really wants to be in control of his own life Really cool thing how the book of Genesis ends. Three chapters on well, death. Mm. Uh, Jacob's, it takes him a long time to die in the Bible. Yes, it, <laughs> you know it was quite drawn out, wasn't it, it? It does draw that out. And I think one of the things we see, and that is, again, it's pointing us to Jacob 
and the guy changed. He's mm. different. He's a different guy at the end of Genesis than when we get him in the, in the middle of Genesis because we see he's no longer this self-reliant guy who thinks he needs to be in control. He's softened. He's recognizing the sovereignty of God. He's realizing, I'm not in charge. I'm not in control, but God is. Mm. So it's a really a fascinating look at the change that takes place in the life of Jacob. Yes. Well, I, I appreciate your humility, Mike, and just admitting <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in yeah. retrospect. Yeah. But, I mean, again, there was so much to, to take out from this series. For me, I think as I look back, I'm encouraged at God's really mercy, uh, you know, over Jacob and uh, his intervention to really redeem a lot of his mistakes, you know, particularly with his family. He really, because of his favoritism, uh and dysfunctionality, he really drove the family apart, you know, and he ends up with these sons who are, you know, kind of murderously angry, and so Joseph ends up where he does, but then there's there's so many of these, you know, it just so happened that, you know, Joseph got into Syria, it just so happened that he was in the house of Potiphar, just so happened that, you know, it's kind of like the story of Ruth, I think it actually uses that phrase in there, you know, all these just so happens. But you can see God's hand in it, you know, in redeeming uh, those mistakes of Jacob. So I think that's an encouragement, you know, for us. Sometimes we feel like the whole weight of our life in the world is on our shoulders. And we realize that we're imperfect. We're going to make mistakes. And God is, he is merciful in that regard. Yeah, that's a really good word. You do see that. Even though Jacob has a lot of places where he goes wrong, the big picture, God's involved. You know, and God does find ways to redeem even a lot of the mistakes that he made. Yes. So, uh, Mike, one of the things I appreciate about this space is just the ability to ask you any sort of questions, you know. So uh, this next one, it's a bit of a doozy. So are you ready for it? Brace myself. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure I'm ready for it. Um, well, you describe God's sovereignty in this way. You said everything happens because God directly causes it or consciously allows it. And as I heard you say that, it kind of reminded me once of listening to a professor from Columbia University in New York, and he's an atheist, and he confessed one of the primary reasons for his atheism was the Holocaust. You know, he he simply couldn't compute how, if a loving and all-powerful God exists, how could he let such atrocities happen? You know, if he exists and he is all-powerful, he could have stopped it from happening, and the fact that he didn't makes him ultimately responsible. So... Thinking about God's sovereignty, how do we go about addressing that? How would you respond to that? Um, you know, if God doesn't step in and stop something, does that mean he's ultimately responsible, even if he could? We're going to resolve this in a 15-minute podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You've got three minutes. Go. All right. Sure. No problem. <laughs> PhDs have been written on this yes. kind of thing. Well, uh you know, I, I, my answer, direct answer to your question, um, if God does consciously allows something, does that make him ultimately responsible for it? No. Mm. Um, no, it, it doesn't. And, and we have these kind of examples all throughout our life. I'll ask you a question. Do your kids, you got three of them, they're mm-hmm. all elementary age and younger, so right. a relevant question for you, do they like brushing their teeth? No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, ours, you know, ours didn't either. And so one of the things that we did is when, when we're young, when our kids were young, when my kids were your kids' age, 
we made them do it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to take care of them, your, your teeth. We don't want you getting decay and that kind of stuff. Now, as kids get older, when they're 16, 17 years old, are you anticipating that you're still going to be forcing your kids to brush your teeth? I sure hope not. <laughs> right? right. No, because as you get to that age, it's like you give more independence and you give more freedom. And that's a, a part of the maturing process. Now, that happened. We, we went that route and... 16, 17, right in there, one of our kids got their first cavity. They learned. Mm-hmm. Oh, there is a reason yes. why we need to brush our teeth. One of the roles of parenting is to release some of our authority so our kids learn to develop responsibility. God, same thing. You know, if God wanted to be able to have robots that just did whatever he wanted them to do, he could have created and designed things that way, but he didn't. God, we wanted family, he wanted children, he wanted relationship, he wanted love, and that only takes place by giving freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in my mind, yeah, things like that happen, atrocities happen. It's not all blamed on God. He intentionally gives freedom, just like we as parents do, in order to establish maturing um, maturing individuals. Yes. No, that's good, Mike. I appreciate just, um, yeah, your openness and just, yeah humility to even take on a question like that <laughs> i have to say that again we're not going to answer this in just a few minutes and we don't want to belittle in any way some very difficult things that people have gone through or are going through but sometimes when i think about this and we question we ask that question why or where maybe sometimes we ask god where were you mm-hmm. um and we have a real question mark over that I think for me, the, the cross has become really important, uh, not only just in terms of salvation, it's always been important that way, but it's become important in terms of being a statement of who God is. You know, it, it was the most public thing that Jesus did, you know, when he and on this earth. And it, it's almost like a monument in the ground of history that in God saying, This is who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a God of mercy, I'm a God of love. And we need that reassurance when it feels like God is is in the dark almost, you know. In those moments where we see in the Psalms where the psalmists are crying out like, where are you and why am I here? Why is this happening? Um, Why have you abandoned me? Um, I think that's so important when we think about that, when we are faced with those questions, that it is a place that we can go to and we can stand before the cross and we can remember, like, this speaks of who God is and I may be in the dark. Os Guinness said this, and I, I, I'm going to paraphrase this quote, but he said, um, you know, I may be in the dark about what God is doing, but I'm not in the dark about who he is. And I think that that's just so mm-hmm. crucial, I think, particularly when we're walking through difficult things. And what an advantage for us living post-New Testament to be able to look back and see the cross yes, um, and understand the fullness of God's character, I think, in a deeper way. Because you're right, that really does... Um, help us to be able to understand God maybe in a different way than Joseph or Jacob would have seen because we're able to see how God has lived that out and demonstrated it. You know, one, one more pet peeve that, that I'll just share as, yeah. as you bring this issue up because it's going on in my mind. I feel like there is oftentimes a negative bias, um, especially toward where we see God's hand. Mm. My example on this would be, okay, your professor that mm-hmm. you talked about, um, is like, well, I can't believe in a God who would allow the Holocaust. Okay. Um, 
well, what about the other side of that? What about a God who put an end to World War II and didn't let Hitler take over the whole world? Mm. We have this tendency to attribute negative things to God, but not so much the positive things to God. What, what do we call it when a, when a hurricane comes? It's like, oh, it was an act of God. Right. Well, okay, so we'll attribute that to God when there's destruction, but what about when there's a beautiful day? Mm. Do our minds go toward, wow, this is an act of God? It, it, give him the positive. Give him the positive things that are going on, not just the negative things that are happening. Oh, you know, I'm sick. I'm not feeling good. God, why are you letting this happen? Well, on a good day. Thank you, God, that, yes. that, that I'm healthy. Um, but working both ends of it. It's not just the negative things that we pin on God and say, why? I hope to, to be able, just personally, to be able to be more aware of the positive things that I can say, hey, that's God's hands that are involved in that as well. Yeah, it's really helpful, Mike. Really appreciate that. I, <clears throat> we talked about this uh, as well, but uh, I remember hearing a professor, uh, I'm not sure if he was um, atheist or agnostic, he certainly wasn't, wouldn't have called himself a Christian, but he had the same thing. He was posed the question about uh, the existence of God and what might God look like and uh, there's a lot of suffering in the world, so he, you know, and uh, he was just like, well, yes, there's a lot of suffering in the world, but there's also a lot of good in the world. So if you're just trying to take data from what we see in front of us, <laughs> I got to do something with both of those things, you know. But often people do lean towards the suffering and say, well, if God exists, he must be, he mustn't care or that kind of thing. So good things to consider. Um, one last question, just turning our attention to the conclusion of Joseph's life story. We can see how God worked out, you know, even some of the most difficult things in Joseph's life for good. And you encouraged us to not judge our story before we see how it turns out, you know, rather embrace each moment with faith. So can you put a bit of flesh on those bones, you know, any additional guidance on how to live this out? Uh, yeah, you know, embracing each moment with faith. I think you articulate that well by looking at embrace each moment. And in the moment when life is difficult or challenging or mysterious, we don't know why, we don't know how things are going to work out, those are challenging moments. Mm-hmm. Um, those are moments when we do have to have to dig a little deeper to be able to say, well, I do have faith in God even though I don't know how this is going to end up. What I find personally to be helpful for me in those moments is to be able to look back I, I can't um, look forward and say I know exactly how this is going to play out, but I can look back and reflect and remember in, in times in my own life when I can say, remember what God did? Mm. Remember how in that moment you didn't know how that was going to turn out? Um, remember when you were in that moment and there was challenges and difficulties and crises? And then we can look back and look and say, wow, you know, God, he was faithful to me in that He provided in ways I would never have anticipated. There are things in there that I've grown. But when we look back, then we actually can tangibly see how God has worked in the past. And then I think that that gives a lot of um, hope that, well, that's who he is. He's going to continue to do that with this present situation in the future. Someday I'll be able to look back and understand it in a different way. Yeah, I think that's really important. It's one of the traditions and the Old Testament that I quite appreciate of, you know, sometimes they would build monuments to remember, or sometimes they'd name their kids after what God had done. But sometimes they put up, you know, some rocks together and, you know, maybe be in the backyard and the kids would be playing. And then they say, 
you know, what, what's with the rocks in the backyard? <laughs> and, yes. uh, well, actually, that's, you know, what God did at this particular time and, you know, so that we don't forget. And, you know, we don't often tend to make monuments these days in that regard, you know. Or, but I do think we should, it's, it can be a good, good spiritual discipline, actually a personal discipline, to make our own monuments. For me, that looks a lot like journaling, actually, and remembering things because we just so often forget very easily. Um, or maybe there's other creative ways that you can do that as a songwriter. That's one of the ways as well that I make monuments of moments uh, where God has done something. And so you can revisit it and you can remember it because that's, it's almost like fuel for the, the, the fire of faith, you know, when, when you, you remember those things. Um, I can remember actually, Mike, I think it was before we came here. I remember walking some of the paths in Jefferson, Iowa that I'd walked, um, you know, with, with Joel, our youngest, and it was when we were thinking of going to Virginia, and should we do this, should we not, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, looking for God's leading in that. And we saw amazing, God's amazing provision and us going there and all that. But I remember doing the same thing for here when we felt like maybe this door was opening here. And there was a, I think it's a Bethel music song called Ever Be, and then the line it says, you know, faithful you have been, faithful you will be. And uh, I just remember feeling that, and it was it was fuel for the, the fire of faith in that moment of like, yes, we can step forward in this and believing, you know, because we feel like you're leading in this. But again, it was that perspective of looking back that enabled us to be able to embrace that moment with faith, as you're saying. Yeah, it's not a blind faith. Uh, I think it's a well-founded faith because we can go back and realize, well, I'm basing this on, I, I've experienced God's faithfulness. Right. Yeah, there's, there's validity in that. Yeah, it's good. Well, Mike, appreciate the time just to be able to chat. It's always good. Um, thank you for joining us this week as well. If you haven't signed up for a connection or a learning opportunity this fall, it is not too late. Just head to our website and explore the plethora of ways you can get plugged into the Ridge from groups, classes, serving opportunities to one-off events. Uh, check it all out at ridgelife.org. So thanks again for joining us. We we'll hope you'll join us next time on Beyond the Sermon. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week. I want to mention one last thing before we go. Our heart at the Ridge is to help people grow in their relationship with God. There are so many ways to get connected into what can be life-changing environments for you and your family. The best way to keep in touch with all that is happening is through our website, ridgelife.org, but also through our weekly e-news. You can sign up to receive this directly to your inbox using the link in our podcast show notes. Finally, thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please feel free to share with friends or family. We hope to catch you next time on Beyond the Sermon.